You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Friday, 26th January, U.S. fourth quarter GDP, 3.3%, and Microsoft becomes the first $3 trillion company. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Carmen Maparwani. I want to touch on uh, Mr. Price. The market liked it. Uh, Sassel, it's tough being a cyclical business at the bottom of that cycle. Uh, Mikhail Santangelo, Independent Securities. Look at some macroeconomic factors from last year. What's coming into this year? And stocks and sectors he thinks are going to do well. Some thoughts from me. The Nasdaq ETF in the US, we all know it, QQQ. Well, there's also QQQM. Why and what is the difference? This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Discam founders sell head office to the group for $500 million. Exit sees the cleanup of related party leases for warehouses. Business day, Toyota paints a bleak picture for SA market in 2024. Annual sales of new vehicles unlikely to grow by more than 1.5% thanks to grim economic conditions, according to their CEO. Morning markets. Uh, the US was green, so new all-time highs. S&P up half a percent, Nasdaq up a one. Uh, the East is mixed. We've got Sydney up half a percent, Tokyo down 1.1, Hong Kong of 0.8, and Tencent down 1.2%. Commodities mixed, gold at 2041, Brent 82.34. Those were the green. On the red side, platinum 899, palladium 942. Rand 1886, Bitcoin $40,100. And top 40 opening call, 370 points to the red. That's just over half a percent down. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Trading now with uh, Carmen Mepawani, independent analyst. Carmen, appreciate the early morning. Mr. Price, I was eagerly awaiting this uh, uh, trading update. There's a lot in it. I mean, base uh, effect, uh, they got better at load shedding. They solved some CRM challenges. But short on, sir, not a bad update and a, a strong December, which has been a bit of a trend we've seen coming through. No, absolutely. I think that, um, as you mentioned, we have to look at the base, number one. But having said that, when you compare to his competitors, so TFG and Woolies that came out with numbers recently, definitely doing much better. I mean, in the current environment, to be able to gain market share is no easy feat. Mm. We definitely know that. Also, on the back of those retail numbers that came out last week, which gave our November numbers, um, both October and November retail sales were both down. So this is positively uh, or surprisingly positive. Uh, But as you mentioned, it's definitely a recovery after the teething issues with the IT system. Um, And they're also giving credit to the fact that all of their stores are now on backup power. Yeah, and that backup power. I, I was in, I think it was one of the Mr. Price homes two years ago. Power went out and we all got, you know, politely asked to leave. Sassel, the other <laughs> side of the coin, and I quote from them, they say petrochemical markets remain uncertain, persistent, muted demand and margin outlook for chemicals. As I said in the intro, I mean, it is tough being a, a cyclical business at the bottom of the cycle. The market seemed to get a bit of hope from the update, however. Yeah, I think that Sassel's obviously, as you've said, the narrative has been negative all around. So um, the oil price and the petrochemical prices have just been so weak. We've seen that. 
And this obviously has led to Cecil suffering, and we saw it down over 48% over the last year. So definitely lots of pain there. In the update, as you mentioned, they do touch on the fact that the second quarter they saw productivity um, down significantly. Well, not significantly, but down. Mm. So keep in mind that they still, however, kept their full-year forecast stable, so they haven't touched that. But the, the result of that is likely to be that the cost per ton is going to be impacted quite negatively. So I think that um, there's definitely still some pain left for Sassel, unfortunately, um, unless we see, uh, for lack of a better phrase, another war, uh, which will impact the oil price. But mm-hmm. that, um, that, that obviously, as you all know, is not something that we can predict. So I think pain for a little bit longer. Um, and the, the price, share price has taken a knock as it is. So maybe there's been some some uh, pull out of the stock on the back of these these weaker numbers. In, in, in your experience in, in, in the market, in cyclical stocks, I mean, when do you jump into them? Do, do you wait for, <laughs> for, 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 for evidence? In other words, not a hope and a prayer. You wait for good numbers. You'll pay a higher price. But, I mean, I look at this chart, and frankly, it's still just scary. No, it is. Uh, it's one of those. And I was looking at it yesterday, and keeping in mind that during 2020 we saw a successful share price of 27 yeah. rand, right? Yeah. So it's all relative. <laughs> it depends on where you got in. I mean, if you got in at that 27, you're still looking pretty right now. But um, I think, as you're saying, it's all about the fundamentals, and the oil price is so key. Here. So geopolitics definitely one to keep an eye out on, and the impact on the oil price going forward. Um, but as you said, you know, we always say a share price doesn't just come down in one, it comes down slowly, um, goes back up. And similarly, when it starts going, the trajectory goes back up again. You just got to look for uh, what the fundamentals are, where you think the mm-hmm. value is. And then move from there. Yeah, and looking at the chart, I mean, much of last year it was moving sideways, and then it just took a leg down. Common Meporani, independent analyst, always appreciate the early morning insights. And our poll today on LinkedIn and Twitter is around the clothing sector uh, and those Mr. Price. So we had Fashini Group, we had Woolies, although Woolies, of course, got food as well. Uh, Mr. Price, a couple more coming through. Are you holding local clothing stocks? They certainly have been, markets been lacking the updates as they come through and knocking them higher. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. When you invest in Stanlib's global multi-strategy diversified growth fund, your money can withstand the unpredictable ups and downs caused by day-to-day market fluctuations. Because our partnership with JP Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanley Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Training now with uh, Michael Santagello, Independent Securities. Michael, appreciate the early morning. Looking back first at last year, it was a story of rising rates, then pausing rates. Inflation was coming down. In the stock market, it, it really was all about the, the Magnificent Seven. But in a note that you just recently put out, you say, hang on a second, there were also that medical sector due to popularity and, and truthfully, the efficiency of obesity-fighting drugs. They were perhaps the, the underreported and underexpected uh, 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 success of last year in the market. Hi there, Simon. Uh, thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, yeah, I think that was uh, went under the radar. The, the fact that uh, you had uh, Nova Nordisk and Eli Lilly produce these uh, uh, miracle uh, drugs uh, that are going to tackle obesity, and uh, they had a significant impact on on uh, many sectors uh, across uh, the medical, uh, health insurance sectors, uh, and uh, snack foods, for example. 
uh, and all those companies uh, were well, not all of them, but uh, quite a big chunk of them uh, did take significant uh, sell-offs uh, because of that. Yeah, and, and you raise an interesting point there to quickly go down that rabbit hole. If, if, if we have very effective obesity-fighting drugs and people are, are eating healthier and the like, it, it, it kind of sends ripples through. You mentioned snack foods and the like suddenly under pressure. I mean, maybe you know the gym stocks sort of pick up. There's second-round effects that are going to come through over the medium term uh, on these obesity-fighting. Yeah, that's right. So these drugs uh, typically also suppress uh, appetite quite yeah. significantly. So uh, snack foods would be uh, <laughs> top of the, the, the list to, to, to be impacted. Uh, we even saw that uh, some even the best energy, co- uh, energy drink companies like Monster uh, got sold off on the back of that because uh, less people would be uh, consuming energy drinks and, and sugary uh, mm. substitutes. So yeah, uh, there, there are definitely those second order effects uh, in, in investing that you do need to be cognizant of. So one of the, the the losers last year was clean energy, which which is truthfully a bit of a head scratcher because you've got to say, you know, in, in in theory, you know, clean energy is 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 the way of the future. There's a big move towards renewable and green uh, uh, locally and worldwide. Yet the sector took an absolute pounding. Yeah, it did. Uh, I mean, a lot of the, the even really high quality clean energy companies uh, sold off by seventy, eighty, even ninety percent. And uh, but I think we need to look at where the their highs were. Um, from 2021, 2022, uh, I think they were significantly overbought and, and overvalued at the time. Mm-hmm. So they probably weren't supposed to be at those uh, elevated levels. Um, but now uh, we're looking at them and uh, we are seeing uh, a lot more opportunities in that space. Uh, we have, we did also see over the last year or two, uh, a lot of fund flows going into ESG type funds mm-hmm. and that all those flows had to go somewhere. And I think they went into uh, the, the clean energy stocks, but that, but thereby just ramping up the share prices and, and pushing those valuations to, to unsustainable levels. Yeah, okay, I take a point on that. It, 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 it was the, the, the early evaluations that perhaps sort of skewed the thing. It, it, looking forward into the year, I mean, if we take the view that, that, that rates are coming down, probably, when is the debate? But I think there's a level of agreement that they're coming down. Uh, and, and certainly, as I said, clean energy is the future. You mentioned in your note, you know, uranium had a really good year. We've chatted around that on this show before. China's got 26 nuclear reactors under, under construction, aside from wind and solar. Is clean energy one after the sort of shakeout worth looking at for the year ahead? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, with that, there is a caveat that I think you need to be a bit more discerning about which companies uh, and which sectors within clean energy you're, you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I think uh, wind energy is uh, is probably not looking very attractive. There, there's some economics within that uh, within that sector that aren't aren't that uh, profitable. Uh, whereas uh, companies on the solar side of things are looking more attractive. And then as you go into to the uranium side of, of, of energy, those are also looking uh, more and more attractive. Um, so there, there will, there's definitely opportunities, but you just need to be a bit more uh, specific and discerning into which companies uh, you look at. Okay, I, I, I take your point. This isn't just a, 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 a jump in and, 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 and grab all. Let's look at some of the others. You're liking the, the luxury goods sector. It, it, it had a, a fairly good, strong run. Again, got quite a, a elevated prices. I'm thinking the likes of Ovumate, there's Ferrari, there's Richmond locally as well. They've come off. Richmond picking up a bit in the last week or so. This is one of your favored uh, uh, picks in the sector. I mean, there's certainly some opportunity here in, in, in luxury. Yes, absolutely. I think that uh, we, we have seen them uh, all have a nice sell-off uh, last year. And uh, what I think is happening, if we, if we start looking and digging down into the different companies' numbers, but 
the ultra luxury brands, uh, particularly like Ferrari and, and some of the brands that Richmond sells, mm. uh, they are far more defensive in the current market and are still selling quite well compared to some of the other brands that are more um, luxury brands, but more for, for the affluent sector. So for, for people that are trying to uh, aspire to, to getting a, a luxury brand like a Gucci bag, um, the, 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 I think that's where the sector might still be under a little bit of pressure, but the ultra luxury uh, for those that can afford Ferraris uh, <laughs> and and, um, and the like, they they aren't really feeling the impact of a, of a slowing economy. And that's a good point, and it's understanding that distinction. You know, Richemont really is those 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 chronically overpriced watches. Ferrari, we understand. LVMH is what seventy plus brands. Some of them are high end luxury, but truthfully, some of them are are, are more mid range. And it it's it's knowing those nuances, which is always so important within the business. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that's why uh, LVMH does have a, a, a reasonable uh, valuation as well mm-hmm. uh, when you compare it to the likes of a Hermes. Uh, Hermes is a really ultra, ultra luxury, but, but it, it trades at a, at a, a PE of, of around 40, uh, whereas uh, LVMH is, is uh, around about half of that. So it does depend on, on that, on, on, on your entry point in terms of, of valuation and what the, the company is actually offering. What about the tech stocks? I, I, I mentioned up front, Microsoft is now the first $3 trillion company in the world. It overtook Apple as the largest stock a, a week or two ago. Now it's gone through $3 trillion. That magnificent seven uh, and, and the big cap tech stocks, they have had a good start to the year after a really strong 2023. I mean, are, are they likely to continue into this year? I mean, at this point, I don't know what stops them. Yeah, they have had a phenomenal uh, run last year. They carried the, the global indices last year and, and also uh, for, for January so far. Uh, I think when you look at the expectations for top-line growth within all those businesses, uh, the, the top-line growth is actually uh, double, if not two and a half or three times what uh, the average of the rest of the, the S&P 500 is. Mm. So that they're certainly growing a lot faster than the average company in, in the US uh, and even globally. And uh, if, if you look not only at the top line, their, their bottom line earnings and, in fact, even their margins are still expanding as well. Uh, maybe not all of them, but uh, a lot of them are expanding uh, quite quite well still. So overall, when you look at them from uh, even though their, their valuations are on the upper end of what you, they're used to, they certainly are growing fundamentally themselves uh, a lot quicker than the, the rest of the market. Um, and when when the market looks at uh, them on a relative basis, you would rather put your capital into companies that are growing faster and increasing uh, margins uh, versus uh, companies that might just look uh, cheap. Yeah. No, I, so we still think there's uh, there's upside there. Yeah, I, I take your point. It is. I mean, they, they've got that growth. You know, this isn't this isn't sort of the the dot com boom of of ninety nine when there there wasn't any growth. Last one, biotech. It was a a, a really hot sector. The the, the 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 steam seemed to have gone out of it. You say some declining interest rates uh, really could help some of the, the the biotech stocks. Yes, that's right. Biotech industry is quite one that's it's a lot more higher risk. Uh, that, but we do see, and we're really seeing a lot more M and A happening within that sector uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, there's quite a few of the big pharmaceutical companies are now taking out some of the uh, the, the smaller companies that mm-hmm. are, are coming uh, with new drugs and new treatments uh, to market. Um, so we, we think there's going to be a lot more activity there. Um, and also, one of the other main things about the biotech industry is that we think uh, the acceleration of artificial intelligence is going to lead to a much faster mm-hmm. drug discovery process. So these smaller companies, where typically they would take years and years to 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 do their research uh, and bring a 
a, a product or a treatment to, to market. Now they can all of a sudden use uh, AI to speed up that process quite significantly. So we'll, we'll probably start seeing a lot more um, activity within that sector in terms of M&A um, and uh, the speed at which uh, they're producing new new therapies. Okay, you, you, I take your point on that. I, there, there was, I think, it was, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Alphabet. Uh, engineers use artificial intelligence on battery tech and they basically did three years work in three months. We'll leave it there, Michael Santagello. Independent Securities appreciate the early morning insights. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. But what if you don't have to feel it? Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. So when you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the ups and downs caused by market fluctuations. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Some thoughts for me on how to save a fraction of, of, of a small amount of some cash. We all know that NASDAQ ETF QQQ, uh, issued by Invest, Invest Co, uh, tra- tracks the NASDAQ uh, 100. And of course, trading in the US, it's a hugely popular ETF. But there's another NASDAQ ETF, QQQM. Also issued by Invesco, also tracking the NASDAQ 100, also trading in the US. Uh, so pretty much exactly the same, except for the M appended to the end. What is the difference apart from that M? Well, the difference is the expense ratio. QQQ has a total expense ratio of 0.2%. I mean, nice and cheap, but nonetheless, 0.2. The QQQM has a total expense ratio of 0.15%. In other words, they are exactly the same ETFs, but the new one, the one with the M at the end, is a little bit cheaper. It's 0.05%. But you know what I always say, if there's you know, if there's a couple of uh, fractions of percents floating around and we're debating whose pocket it should be in, well, I would like it in my pocket. The question, everyone, is like, what the heck's happened here? Well, it's quite simple. So Invesco's got this QQQ. It's a great ETF. It's got a, a $250 billion of assets under management. If they dropped their total expense ratio from 02 to 0.15%, they would just wipe out $125 million of revenue every year. $125 million of revenue gone. Bang. Just disappeared. So instead, they look at that and they think, hmm, no, we quite like that $125 million. So they issue a new one with a slightly lower tour. I imagine over time, the QQQM will fundamentally overtake the, 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 the QQQ and maybe even one day the QQQ disappears. But for now, if you want to buy in the US a NASDAQ tracking uh, ETF, buy the one with the M at the end. It's exactly the same, a little bit cheaper. That's it for today. I was chatting with uh, Solly Bellingham from Banks of Africa yesterday about December data, uh, December spend data. Certainly, and we sought with Mr. Price, we sought with Clicks, who who said you know, 22nd of December was their biggest spending day ever. Uh, we were out there and shopping, and we asked you, how was your December spending? A quarter said plenty. You were absolutely spending plenty more. The rest was split between saying, now you know what, I spent much or less the same, uh, and the rest then saying, no, actually you had gone and spent less over the period. But the data coming through shows we were shopping. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlip. Visit stanlip.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.
We're live every weekday morning, the Money Web website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. If you're loving the show, please leave us a positive rating in your podcatcher of choice. We'll chat again Monday, a new active income ETF listing on Wednesday. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.